today's podcast, I'm going to talk through the GCSE Literature Mark Scheme for WJC, which um, we're studying the texts A View from the Bridge and Pride and Prejudice. Um, now, you can go on the WJC website and you can download a sample mark scheme. The one I'm going to specifically look at is the summer 2018. So if you do have a copy of the exam paper, um, you might want to refer to that as I just talk through the assessment objectives for each of the questions and what the mark scheme suggests about how to um, respond to the questions. So um, the paper starts off, the first um, half of the paper has all the different drama texts. So you've got um, obviously not just a view from the bridge, but you've got lots of other texts like Blood Brothers on offer in this paper. Um, the questions that are specifically relevant to us are from question 17. So we've got an extract from a view from the bridge. And then the question is, look closely at how the characters speak and behave here. How does it create mood and atmosphere for an audience? And that's worth 10 marks. Um, now it says underneath this question covers assessment objectives AO1 and AO2 and they're both equally weighted at 50% each. So just a reminder of AO1 and AO2. AO1 is really broad assessment objective. It's about your ideas, it's about being relevant to the question and it's about how you handle the text. So if we're going to aim for an A grade in AO1, what they're looking for in the top section of the band is that you find relevant details from the text to answer the question and you start to evaluate the characters and their relationships, their attitudes and motives. You start to offer judgments about those characters um, and you can really handle the text with confidence. Like it's clear that you understand this text inside out, that you understand the structure of the whole text and particularly for an extract that you can place that extract into the text as a whole and you can make really good points about it. You can say something really meaningful that doesn't just look at the surface but looks at the deeper layers of meaning that go through the whole text. Um, and it says um, in the mark scheme that you need to have an overview, that means an understanding of the whole text, and an ability to move from the specific to the general. So for example, in an extract, you see a quote and you're able to link from that specific quote to a bigger theme that runs through the whole text. Um, you know, that that's a really key skill. It also says in AO1 that you can convey your ideas persuasively and cogently with apt textual support. So that textual support, short quotes that back up what you're saying about the characters and the themes and ideas is absolutely crucial because you could basically, you could tell me a lot of things about the text that are correct, but without that apt textual support, you won't get the A grade, you won't get in that top band. Um, it says further down the bands, it says um, make generalised reference to relevant aspects of the text, echoing and paraphrasing. But you only get between two and four marks out of ten for that. So that's really something you want to avoid. You want to give very specific detailed quotation. Um, and if you've got the extract in front of you, you know, you're going to try tracking the text going from the beginning to the end, picking out what's most relevant for the question, in this case, mood and atmosphere, and commenting on relevant things um, in order. So that's all your AO1. 
Now, the A of 2 is language structure and form. So if you're aiming for an A here, the highest band, it says that you will show appreciation of how writers use language to achieve specific effects. So, you know, this character says this word because it has this specific meaning and impact. It also says that you will make a short exploration of the ways that meaning and ideas and feeling are conveyed through language structure and form and you will make a short analysis of stylistic features. Now given that it's a drama text you would need to have a clear awareness that it's meant to be seen on the stage that an audience would be responding to not just the words the characters speak because obviously they're not reading those words but the way those words are delivered by the actors and the way the actors are acting and moving around the stage, the stagecraft, um, any props, any stage directions um, that give you an idea of how it will be performed. Those things are also things that you need to analyse as well. It's really important. It doesn't just sound like you're writing about another novel here um, because it is a play and it's a very different type of text. So for your AO2 on a dramatic extract, you have to talk about the effect on the audience. So the audience feel uh, tense here because there's a, there's a build-up of tension between these characters and there's this suggests foreshadowing that this will happen later in the play or this refers to something that's happened earlier. Whatever, it needs to be about the effect on a real-time audience who are there receiving the play at the same time. So that's your AO1 and AO2 in equal measure. And I think it's it's also valid saying there's a lot of crossover here. You know, you can't do that AO2, that detailed stylistic analysis, without the apt quotation. Because if you don't have the quotations there, you've got nothing that you can analyse. So really, AO1 and AO2 are very interdependent on one another. It's very difficult for you to do um, AO2 without doing AO1 really well. AO1 is, I think, the backbone of the of the response that you write. And then the AO2, it really is dependent on what you've chosen to write about in terms of the content that you've chosen and the quotations. Now, the actual marking scheme um, gives a breakdown of how many marks would be issued for what. And it's not, obviously, it's not specific on exact things that candidates would say. But it says that um, they would give two to four marks for a general answer, you know, relatively simple narrative, you know, telling us the story of what's happening here with some discussion or awareness or empathy, perhaps for four marks. Then five to seven marks out of 10, it says the answers will still be reliant on narrative. So they're still really just telling the story here, but will highlight some specific detail. For seven marks, answers will be thoughtful and thorough in their discussion of the extract, looking at its events and the speech and behaviour of the characters and how these aspects create mood and atmosphere. So there's already for seven marks out of 10, an awareness of um, what's being said and what's the actions of the characters and what's how the writer's creating an effect on the audience. For eight to ten marks, it says answers will be increasingly assured and evaluative with sensitive discussion of the extract. At the top of the band, the how will be addressed with close reading of the stage directions, for example, looking at a lot more specific detail, how specifically mood and atmosphere is created and what that mood and atmosphere is like. So that's that's the extract question there. Then for the um, essay on this paper, we've got two, a choice of two. Question 18, how is the character of Rodolfo important to the play as a whole? Or 
Number 19, family is the most important thing to the characters in A View from the Bridge. To what extent do you agree? Now, in both of these, um, the, the assessment objectives are AO1 and AO2. The weightings are a bit different from the extract. It says AO1 is 33%, AO2 is 67%. So in the essay for A View from the Bridge, the focus is very much on your analysis of dramatic technique, and the writer's um, structure, form and language. Okay, that's going to be the real focus of the essay. So let's have a look at what the, the guidelines, the mark scheme says. It says for five to nine marks out of 20, answers will be dependent on fairly simple narrative. So for example, the question on Rodolfo, uh, a candidate will, will pick out things in the play that Rodolfo does or that happened to Rodolfo um, and we'll just kind of give a bit of a basic storyline there um, with some awareness and some discussion of Rodolfo as a character. Now it is, I know this sounds really obvious, but it's worth saying you can't talk about these characters as if they're real people. So you've always got to be aware when you're writing an answer that you don't sound like you think Rodolfo is a real person. So just referring to the character of Rodolfo and how the writer presents Rodolfo on the stage um, or how the actor plays Rodolfo, that's also going to be quite important to get in there. Now, um, for 10 to 14 marks of 20, it says candidates will reveal an increasingly sound and detailed knowledge of the play used to support their discussion of Rodolfo and how important he is to the play as a whole. So this is this is where you're able to take a character and you're able to find relevant material on that character from the text. But you can also place that character into the overarching structure of the play. Now, Rodolfo is not the hero of this play um, and so when we talk about Rodolfo we're going to have to talk about him in relation to Eddie as the central character of the whole play he's the central protagonist so we need to talk about Rodolfo potentially as an antagonist somebody who um opposes the protagonist or is an obstacle to the protagonist's goals. And in terms of Eddie's goals here, wanting to hold on to Catherine, Rodolfo is very much an antagonist to him because Rodolfo comes in and basically takes Catherine away from him. So um, in what ways is Rodolfo an antagonist, someone who's blocking the protagonist and an enemy to the protagonist? Or as an audience, do we see Rodolfo differently? Do we see Rodolfo as, you know, an innocent young man who wants to make his fortune and wants to make his have a new opportunity who's genuinely in love with this young woman um, and deserves to have a chance at making a, a, few, a, a go of it a, a go of a future in America so you could definitely discuss the um, different ways an audience can respond to this character and I think that's where the marks are going to be is that you you have that sensitivity to see that it's not black and white. You know, a lot of these characters, um, the audience can respond in a number of different ways to them. And that's very deliberate on the part of the playwright Miller. You know, he's not making stock characters. Oh, this guy's a bad guy. Actually, it's much more complex than that. Um, and so it does say in the mark scheme here, for 13 to 14 marks out of 20, responses will be thoughtful 
and thorough. So I think that, you know, those responses would start to be understanding that there's, there's deeper, there's deeper issues here. Now for 15 to 20 marks, it says responses will be detailed, sensitive and evaluative in a discussion of Rodolfo with increased success in addressing the issue of how important he is to the play as a whole. So in other words, if you remove Rodolfo, what happens in the play? You know, what would happen to Eddie? Um, we need to see Rodolfo as a catalyst. His um, entrance into the uh, Eddie's house is a catalyst for Eddie's own demise. We, we see him come in and all those things that were already there, that's kind of um, taboo desire for his own niece, and um, it was all underneath the surface, the tension in his marriage. When Rodolfo and Marco enter the play, all those things that were already there come to the surface and it exposes the problems that are there. And it obviously is great for drama because we see all these things that were under the surface suddenly explode on the surface as we've got, you know, um, fighting and then obviously a, a sort of heroic death at the end and, um, and we've got the drama increasing. So understanding where would the plot be, the structure without Rodolfo, you know, it wouldn't be there. How central Rodolfo is as a foil to Eddie and exposing what Eddie is really like. Now, the other question about family, um, the, the Mark scheme itself says, you know, this is an open question. There is no right way to approach it. Um, so they ask examiners to be really flexible in judging whatever a candidate does, as long as a candidate gives relevant answers to family being the most important thing. Um, or not, as the case may be, whatever way you want to argue it, um, you know, that is valid. So you you really have the driving seat here to decide what you want to talk about in the text. Um, and as I said, because it says to what extent do you agree, probably what you're going to want to do is give some reasons why you do agree that family is important and give some examples. But then probably what you're also going to want to do for the top marks is see the other side, that what's the other things that are important? Is it that illicit um, desire that Eddie has? Is it pride? Is that more important than family? Is it community that's more important? You know, there's a couple of different ideas you could pursue um, and argue that it's not the only thing that's important. Now, um, just, just some, what the mark scheme says here, um, for 10 to 14 marks, candidates will reveal an increasingly sound and detailed knowledge of the play um, and begin at 13 marks, begin to address the idea of to what extent do you agree? So a candidate who just says, yes, family is the most important thing and here's why. Those kind of candidates won't get more than, than 13 or 14 because they're not looking at the two sides of the argument. There's got to be an argumentation going on here. Now, for the top band of marks, 15 to 20, there needs to be an engaged personal response that addresses the terms of the question directly, perhaps suggesting with some success, it says, that other things such as honour, love and obsession are more important. So what they're really looking for is a candidate who's knows the play well enough and is confident with the play well enough to argue something different, to say, yes, family's important, but I'd argue that with Eddie this obsession is more important or this this love or what, whatever it is. So that gives you an idea there that for that kind of open question, you've got massive potential to stand out as a candidate because it really, it doesn't guide you on where to go with it. 
And that kind of question, to what extent do you agree, is an open invitation for a high ability candidate to show off what they can do. So I would totally want to choose that question if it was me in an exam, because the question on Rodolfo, yes, you can still get good marks with that question, but it's nowhere near as as open and broad as that second question is. And I, I love questions that enable you to just um, really dig down to the heart of the play. Uh, and I think that question's a great question. So that's totally what I would do. Okay, let's move on to the Austin section. So in this paper, it's question 29 is the extract. And the question is also, how does Jane Austen create mood and atmosphere here? I don't know if they were maybe not feeling particularly inventive in this year of questions, because it does seem like a lot of the questions are very similar. But um, just to reiterate, and I don't want to go over ground the same ground too much, but um, the Austin extract, like A View from the Bridge, is also AO1 and AO2 50-50. Okay, so for both texts, your approach is going to be pretty similar. You're going to be tracking the text, going through, looking at characters, attitudes, motives, but also that stylistic element of stylistic features. Now, obviously, for Austin, it's going to be different to dramatic devices. You're going to be looking at your narrative voice. Um, you're going to be looking for classic Austin's technique like irony and satire you're going to be looking at her use of dialogue um, you're going to be looking at where the, the extract fits in with the structure of the novel as a Bildung's roman um, so there's going to be different things that you look for for those stylistic features but it, this focus is still the same uh, tracking the text going through looking at the themes and ideas and pulling out the stylistic devices um, it says for an A grade on this extract, answers will be increasingly assured and analytical with sensitive appreciation of Austin's use of language. There's also likely to be a sensitive understanding of the relationship between Darcy and Miss Bingley and how this contributes to the mood and atmosphere of the extract. Um, so that's that one. Now, as we move on to the essay questions here, we've got a choice of two. Uh, question 30, how is the character of Wickham important to the novel as a whole? Remember to support your answer with reference to the novel and comment on social, cultural, historical context. Or 31, for which character in Pride and Prejudice do you have the most sympathy? Show how Austen creates sympathy for your chosen character. Remember to support your answer with reference to the novel and comment on its social, cultural and historical context. Now, here's where we go. Um, this is different because here the assessment objectives are AO1 and AO4. OK, and AO1 is 33%. And AO4 is 67%. So we've got a heavily weighted essay on context here. And that key line in the question about social, cultural, historical context is the reminder to you of, yeah, this is the focus of this essay. Rather than looking in great detail at Austin's narrative devices and stylistic features, the focus is going to be on what's going on in the novel. How does that relate to Austin's world? And how does it relate to my world? And that's kind of the way I would approach this. Now, with this um, question on Wickham, um, what they're going to look for here is going beyond the story of Wickham in the novel. So they're going to look for more than just, OK, I know who Wickham is and I know what he does. They're going to look at Wickham as a device in the novel. Um, you could say a catalyst. He brings out Elizabeth's prejudice because obviously she meets him and she believes his little sob story about how evil Darcy is straight away because that's 
how she's inclined to be prejudiced against Darcy and, and for Wickham. So he shows Elizabeth's prejudice. And also Wickham's act of um, running away with Lydia um, really f- also catalyzes Darcy into acting and becoming the hero by saving the day and acting on his newfound um, I don't know, empathy, whatever you want to call it, as he realises that he's um, he's been wrong in the way he's approached Elizabeth's family. So um, what they're going to look for here, it says um, 10 to 14 marks. There will be a clear focus on Wickham, his relationships with others and involvement in key events. And there will be some grasp of the novel's context here. So the idea of Wickham's social class, you know, the fact that he um, is not part of the landed gentry. He's sort of a bit of a loose cannon. He doesn't have any fixed income. He's got this issue of what profession is he going to choose? And he's sort of dabbled around. He's done one thing after another. He's said, oh, I want to be um, a clergyman. And then, oh, no, sorry, I don't want to be a clergyman. I'll take the money from Darcy instead. Oh, and then, oh, I'll go into the law oh, I don't like that, I'm going to go into the militia. Um, and so there's a sense of he's like, he's going from place to place with no fixed income, trying to find, trying to make a living for himself, but without really wanting to work very hard for it. A sense of the importance of inheritance to Wickham, that he's looking for an heiress. He's looking for someone to marry who's got a lot of money, which would set him up for life. And obviously that's why he goes for Georgiana Darcy, um, also to avenge himself on on Darcy himself um, and why he tries to pay attention to Miss King, the heiress of £10,000 and then how he eventually gets paid off by Darcy to marry Lydia. Um, For the top marks it says um, the answers will be assured and evaluative in their consideration of Wickham um, and that he will be set firmly within the context of the novel. So really clear understanding of perhaps Wickham's jealousy of Darcy, you know, growing up with Darcy in the same estate, um, you know, seeing Darcy's privileges and feeling that innate resentment towards him. Um, The kind of sense of he's got that sense of a chip on his shoulder, you know, Darcy owes me. Um, Even though we find out later that Darcy's been very generous to him. And he has not repaid the generosity very well. But there's a sense with Wickham that he feels the world owes him and that that privilege he's seen Darcy have, you know, he feels is very unfair. Now, in question 31, uh, the question about the sympathy, this is a bit of a an, an interesting question and it is very open. You know, you could talk about any character, but I do think there's a bit of a danger here on the sympathy question. There's a danger here that you're going to talk about... Um, character and plot and you're not going to talk about context that's that's the danger there so you have to make sure that you talk about characters in terms of in Austin's world so for example Charlotte Lucas might be a good character to choose here because you could talk about her situation as an old maid um on the shelf whatever and how she sort of chooses Collins out of desperation of being married and why she has to do that um you could talk about our sympathy for um even a character like miss bingley who again shows that desperation to secure um a match um whatever you choose to do here you have to talk about characters in the context of the structure of the novel as a whole so you can't just zoom in on one character and ignore everything else and ignore the structure of the novel um i think you know you you have to have some nuanced understanding here so even a character like lydia bennett it would be quite interesting to see people discuss lydia bennett as you know um 
really preyed upon by Wickham, who's a lot older than she is, preys upon her naivety and her innocence and vulnerability and takes her off to London, you know, and it's only through Darcy's intervention that her reputation is sort of um, patched over and, and rescued. So I think with a question which asks you to concentrate on one character, be careful that you choose someone that allows you to cover the assessment objective about context and don't feel that you can't refer to other characters or place that character within the structure of the whole novel. Um, so it does say um, in the top band that responses will be detailed, sensitive and evaluative and maybe original um, and how the writer creates sympathy will be addressed with increasing success and confidence. So how Austen creates sympathy through the positioning of the character, their words, um, the words of others to them, their actions in the novel, what happens to them um, and putting that all firmly within context.